The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Okay, before we read the text, I'm sure you flipped there by now. I need to ask you a question. What is the, what's the, the rules that you know about in church? This is not a rhetorical question. I need you to tell me. What are, what are the most important church rules that you've heard of? Church rules. Don't curse in church. Thank you. Yes. Apparently, there are people that don't follow that rule here at the chapel. Just FYI, if you go to any of our Bible studies, <coughs> Bob, um, we're, we're, we're raising sailors to be saints in that Bible study in particular. Uh, what, what's another church rule? Things that are you shouldn't do in church, things that you should do in church. We'll start with one. What shouldn't you do as a, as a church person? Don't sleep during service. I don't hold that against anybody. I'm a dad. I understand. If you need your Z's, take them now. If I'm going to be boring, I deserve it. Okay? So if you need a nap and you can pull it off, um, I might shame you, but you, you do your best, you know. I've, I see it from time to time. It's the church nod. You guys all know that one, right? It's the one where your head goes not like straight down because I see you like trying to fight it for Jesus, and you go like this. You know, and it's usually the husbands, and when the wife sees it, she's like, ka, 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 and the husband's like, Ugh. Uh, okay, so don't sleep in church, don't cuss in church. What's, a, what's, a, what's the most important church rules that we're supposed to do? Love one another. Man, I love that. What does that look like? What, how do you love one another? Like in this setting right now, if I said everyone stand up and love one another, if we were one of those churches that only caters to extroverted people, what does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. Someone's going to get a mouthful of Jared's beard. What does love one another look like? Well, th- this, is, this is the question. Because we've, we've seen the Pharisees come at Jesus to try to argue with him. We've seen the, the Sadducees come at Jesus to try to argue with him about theology. And the Pharisees wanted to talk about politics and taxes. And today we have the scribes. The scribes are the people who are the politicians and lawyers of their time. They're the people that, that do the opposite of what pastors should do. Pastors should take complex things and make them more simple. Politicians and lawyers take the most simple things and they make them complex, right? It's like when you click accept the iTunes agreement. You have no idea what you've just accepted. Or when you click it on Facebook, you literally invited Mark Zuckerberg into your bedroom. Or when you put an Amazon Alexa in your house. Because if you don't know, the Amazon employees were listening to your private conversations on those demonic devices. Mine was in my bedroom. I unplugged it promptly. Today, the scribes, these people who want to make simple things complex, go to argue with Jesus. And this is how the story goes. One of the scribes came up. And heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked them, which commandment, which rule, which thing that we're doing here for this God life is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and that there is no other besides him. 
and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that they answered wisely, he said to them, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to argue with Jesus anymore. This is one of my favorite topics. And I think it's my favorite topic because it comes up so much. It's the fact that in churchianity, we raise up so many peripheral rules that we sometimes miss the big picture. If you look at what churches are made up of nowadays, it's interesting to me because one of the things is, is not cursing. That comes up all the time. And, and here's the reality of life. Um, I'm friends with a lot of you on social media. And some of you have forgotten. And I see what you write about. You're welcome. And I pray for you often. I've seen some of you driving on the road. Some of you I wish I could unsee. In my past career as a pastor, um, I've been flipped off by parishioners not knowing that it was me. I'll tell you, there is no awkward moment for a church person than when they are on their way to a church and the pastor may or may not have accidentally driven poorly, but they flip them off only to realize three seconds later, that guy's going to preach to me in 30 minutes. Can you imagine the shame of that? It's like they launched the rocket ship, and then you saw the shame go, and then the rocket ship just dipped down like they were just trying to do a peace sign. Hey, pastor. We have these weird rules. The first time somebody ever swore in a Bible study in front of me, I did what most of Christian people do. You're there studying the Word of God, and, and somebody's pouring out their life and the things that they're struggling with. And I remember the first time somebody just said a, a swear word, every head in the Bible study did this. And when they all looked at him, because it's what church people do. I remember, I remember so often the, the weird ones. I remember getting drug out of a church service because I had gone to the beach that morning and I walked in wearing board shorts and a tank top. And I didn't know that I wasn't allowed to wear board shorts and a tank top. But I remember the hand of one of the elders, one of the humble men like Eric, just falling upon my shoulder and just pulling me backwards. Right? I was going down the middle aisle, and then I was going reverse, back up the middle aisle. And I said, what is going on? He said, you cannot worship the Lord in your board shorts. I know that in churches we have rules about what you can wear and can't wear. Now, some things are good, like please wear clothing, okay? There's some non-negotiables that I will have here at this chapel. <laughs> but some things are weird because um, how many of you grew up with Sunday Best? Anyone here grew up with Sunday Best? I love the idea of a Sunday Best. I really think, um, sidebar, we need to have a Sunday Best service because I want to see what all of y'all's Sunday Best is. And we're going to make it like on the last week of August when it's 1,000 degrees outside. I just want to sweat in here. I want all the bulletins to be folded into kindergarten fans. I just want to do that, okay? But, but seriously, because there are still churches to this day where if you go there without your Sunday best, you'll get what the young people call the side eye. I don't get it. It's looking at the side of your eye somehow at somebody. I think it means that you're not doing something correctly. There are a lot of rules that we have. Don't cuss. Don't drink. Dress this way. Talk this way. Pray this way. 
Don't say these things. Read this book. Don't read those books. Watch these movies, but not those movies. Rated R movies, only if they're about Jesus. If you smoke, do it in private, unless everyone there agrees that it's okay. We have so many odd rules. And these people, these lovers of words, wanted to see what Jesus said. So they put him to the test. What's the most important? And Jesus gave you and I the answer that if you apply this, this one section of scripture, everything else in the Bible falls into place. Everything in your life will fall into the place where it is supposed to be. But we often read it so quickly or we've heard it so much that we pass right by it. Yeah, love God with all your strength. All your heart, mind, soul, strength. All these things. Just love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then we just keep reading. But I want us to think about it today. I want us to go from like the clouds picture where we're reading something and you're just like in the sky, all fluffy feeling. And I want us to ask ourselves, what does it look like in the grimy dirt of life to love God with everything in us? What does it look like to love God with all of your heart? All of your heart. I love love, you guys. I love it. Like the, the idea of of old love, young love, and I don't know if you're like me, but um, one of my favorite things, and, and give me an amen if you're like this, is seeing old couples like madly in love with each other. Do you love that so much? And like no one here is that age yet, just so you know. Like I don't think of any of you as old couples. I'm talking the ones that are so old, they're like what I want to be when I grow up. Like the, the guy's got mismatching socks, he's wearing golf pants, but like in public at Chick-fil-A, and he can't stand up straight anymore. And he opens the door for his wife, who can walk 10 times better than him. And they go up, and you're like, what are they going to order? And they order like an ice cream, and they just gum it to death sitting at that table in the corner. It's like, I just watch them. And then I look at my wife, and I'm thinking, are we going to be that way when we grow up? Just all gummy and mismatched and in love? And that's as far as I go with that thought. There's something about that, like that commitment of being together, of being committed, of sharing something so simple, and then to watch them walk out, and they just, and they open the door, and the wife, and they look at each other, and it doesn't matter if their eyes are blue, green, brown, hazel, whatever their eye color is, when they look at each other, it's almost like we on the outside, we young people desperate with bills and anxiety, look at them, and you just see stars being born in the sky. I love that. On the flip side, I, I, love, I love young love. Young love. I have a story that I can't share with you, but man, it's a good one. Just ask me later. Because young love starts at whatever age. And, and I don't know what the age is nowadays because of all the stuff they're putting in our milk. But young love just starts somewhere between like 9 and like 13. Where, like, the boys and the girls at one age, they're like, oh, no, I hate you. You have cooties. Oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden, it's like, if he doesn't marry me, I'll die. And then, I don't know, there's the next age where, where the kids start writing their name. Like, I remember when my wife and I were dating, I found, I found one of her little spiral notebooks. And you, you know what's the next part, right? It said, Amy Tarona, when we were not married yet. And it was like, Here's a T this way, and there's a T that way, and all the different T's that I never knew existed. And I thought, well, she's a little presumptive here. <laughs> My goodness. But that, that feeling we get, that feeling of, of our heart, 
Because if we're to love God with all of our heart, we need to ask, what does that mean? Not just to say, ah, oh, I'm going to have these fluffy thoughts toward God one day a week. Not just like, oh, when, when they sing, then I'm going to get into it. But what does it mean if we say, okay, God, today I, I want to think about my heart being about you. My emotions being for you. And, and I know, I know that depending on how you grew up, where you grew up, this may seem weird. It may seem weird to attribute this massive well of emotions toward a being who we can't physically see yet. I, I remember the transition for me was difficult because I grew up and my dad was sort of in and out of my life, but more out than in when I was younger. So I didn't know what it meant to, to be loved by a father. I didn't know what it meant to be uh, have someone as my lover. And as a person fresh into Christianity, we were singing that song, Jesus, lover of my soul. You know that song? Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. When you've never been in a church gathering and you're singing as a six foot six man to another man somewhere that I haven't seen yet and I'm being like Jesus you're my lover it's an odd thought if you've never thought about it these songs that we sing some of them are are very unique like you're not going to catch a lot of people singing a song collectively about someone far away being their lover right? When we say lover, we have a very specific image in mind. If you're a fourth and fifth grader, you're thinking of like Fortnite, Nagop, Skins, whatever it is. If you're, if you're that Chick-fil-A couple, you're thinking of that star-crossed lover that you bought an ice cream cone with. If you're a newlywed, you think about your spouse who to you is the epitome of perfection because you're newlywed. The interesting thing about loving God with all of your heart is that the Bible says a lot of things about the heart. It says that everything flows from it. Jesus says that your mouth speaks out of the overflow of your heart. The emotions that you have are what propel whatever comes out of your mouth. It's the main measuring stick that we have in the Bible for what your heart is doing. If you're a complainer, guess what your heart is? Complaining. It's an unsatisfied heart. If you're an angry person, guess where that anger was born? It didn't just come out of your mouth. It's somewhere in your heart. If you're guilty, if you're angry, if you're lust-filled, if you lie, if you curse, if you yell, if you hate, if you gossip, if you slander, those things don't start here and go here. They start here, go up to here, and then make their way out into the wild. And Jesus says, you want to know what the most important thing is? Start with loving God with all of your heart. Not part of your heart, not 90% of your heart, all of it. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Psalm 119, verse 10, 9 and 10 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. It's, it's really an amazing thing to watch, young love which is why heartbreak and, and relationships can be so difficult at times because young love, when everything was so easy, do you guys remember those moments, those of you who have been married for a long time? Do you remember the first time you held hands with, with somebody? Could be your person you're sitting next to, could be your first boyfriend, girlfriend in high school. Do you remember how sweaty your hands were? Do you remember that? When's the last time your hands sweat for your spouse? Like just holding hands, watching Toy Story 4. 
just sparks. Do you remember how nervous you were the first time you touched the leg? And I'm not saying like upper leg. This is PG because the fourth and fifth graders are in here today. I'm saying like the first time you touched the knee. I remember. Just like you're thinking about it for a solid 45 minutes. You've already held hands once. You've already sweat Niagara Falls all all over her palms. And you're thinking, I'm just going to reach for the knee. And you're thinking, should I do it? I don't know. Should I do it? Will it be reciprocated? I don't know. Will she touch my knee? That's weird. I hate my knees. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And you're just thinking, 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 thinking. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, bop. And it feels like electricity is shooting up your spine. Now, I, I never did this, but I've seen it in the movie, so I assume this was a thing like back in the 50s or 60s, the old movie theater trick. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? How do we seek him with all that that is? All of our emotions, all of our, all of our longings. Here's where it starts. Jeremiah said he's going to make a covenant with his people, declares the Lord. I'm going to put my law within them. I will write my law on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And part of navigating and learning what it means to love God with all our heart is reminding each other of the fact that we have God within us. We have God's laws, God's spirit within us in reminding one another that the heart we have doesn't have to be captivated by lesser things. My son yesterday went to an ice cream shop and, I mean, and he didn't know this and it was, uh, it was sort of sad for him because he went to this ice cream shop to get an ice cream. He was super excited. I gave him my credit card for the first time ever. It's going to be the first of many. And it was my son, so I wasn't as concerned. And when my daughter asked for my credit card, then I'm, I'm canceling it. Um, but he goes to this ice cream shop, and he comes back, and there's just this look in his face. And the ice cream he got was, like, black looking because this was down in, like, Soho. So it's downtown Tampa where people have beards like Jared's, and they wear jeans like, like not Jared's, like tighter than Jared's, okay? And they all ride those scooters around Tampa. This is where he was buying this ice cream. And he comes out, he's like, Daddy, I don't like this. I'm like, what's wrong? And he says those words that are harrowing to any 10-year-old. Daddy, they only had vegan ice cream. Can you imagine being a 10-year-old American being served vegan ice cream? It's like going to get a bag of potato chips and reaching in and only finding soggy kale salt. He comes out, and I'm like, dude, are you going to eat that? And he's like, No, and I was like, well, give it to me because I need vegan stuff in my life right now. But his disappointment, because he loves ice cream. I mean, me and and Jackson, really just Jackson above all else, that kid loves ice cream. We've got like three to four tubs of ice cream. He'll eat all the flavors, all the kinds. He does like art with his cones, little art sculptures of ice cream cones. But when he had that vegan ice cream in his hands, he was just sad. I liked it. But one of the things that's interesting is um, it, it sort of reminded me of this. What we do when we put our heart towards something that's lesser, when we say, I'm going to give my heart to this thing because I think it will satisfy me. Let's be honest, you guys. Vegans are not happy people. If you're a vegan, sorry, not sorry. I once was too. I mean, there's nobody more angry than a tolerant vegan in, in this world. When I stepped into veganism last summer as a social experiment, at first, it was like loving embrace. It was so much kindness and support. People were like, oh, my gosh, you're doing it. You're saving all the chickens and the pigs. And I was like, this is a temporary veganism. Like, oh, you're a pretend vegan. Like, no, I'm really doing it. Yeah, but only for a little bit. But I'm doing it. 
and all of a sudden they turned on me. They turned on me like the rabid animals that they are. Here's why I couldn't be a vegan, you guys, because I've eaten bacon. This is why I could not be a vegan for the long term. I knew the first time that I put vegan bacon in my mouth, this nutrition plan is not going to work out. I've settled for something less than. And you may think, oh, yeah, that's true. You guys, as followers of Jesus, we often, with our emotions, settle for something less than. We are eating vegan ice cream. We are eating tofacon. We are settling for the spiritual version of those things because we haven't tasted and seen with our heart the amazing love that God has for us. You may think, well, I don't, I'm not a mushy guy. I'm not asking you to be someone else. I'm asking you to be yourself. And asking yourself honestly, are my emotions, when they've been at their peak, with a date or a spouse or the birth of a child or the new job, whatever the peak is for you, have you had that sensation and you have, have you had that love? Have you had that emotional drive toward God? And if not, we've already missed step one. And we all do it all the time. Too often, spiritual, spiritually speaking, we settle for vegan ice cream when the good stuff is here, free, and for us. Then Jesus says, after heart, because these are all tied together, love the Lord your God with all of your soul. Soul is an interesting one. The, the word soul, uh, um, psyche or suke, it literally, it's translated soul, it's translated life, and it's translated um, your person or your very being. Love God with all of your being. So all that you are, it's, it's beyond just your emotional seat. It's all that is within yourself, all that makes you, you, and gives you drive to do things, whether it's an angry thing or a good thing, that, that desire, that drive, that's your soul. How do you love God with all of your soul? How do you put everything you are into God? I used to have, um, I used to have this car. Uh, his name was Maggie. It was Magnum, but I called him Maggie for short. And I like doing all my oil changes on my cars, but I know as time goes on, like I got this new car, Sarah, and she takes some sort of fancy oil, so I pay for that. But I, I love doing oil changes. But there's something weird about oil changes in Florida that's different from oil changes in California. Um, so this is just for you mechanics. The rest of you, tune this out. But for some reason, the drain plug in Florida cars, I think because it's hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, the drain plug just gets cemented on there. Is that a Florida thing? Maybe it's you're, yeah, Jared Strong. He just does it. He's got the right tools. I'm trying to get off my drain plug, which is the oil bolt with like a, like a Sears wrench, okay? And every time I go down and try to crank this thing off, it's getting harder and harder to get off. And I have to put all of my might into it. And I, and I realized one time when I was under my car, because it's a little car and I'm not a little guy, I was under there and kind of like awkward and just like doing this, trying to loosen the bolt, yanking it, yanking it, yanking it. And then I got to that point, because I'm not a gym person, I'm not a CrossFitter, so I don't have like that same drive that some of you have to do those weird unorthodox pull-ups. I'm just a dad. Like, I click on a mouse, okay? That's like my go-to exercise. I do one sit-up a day, half in the morning, half at night. Just couldn't, couldn't get, couldn't get it. And you do that thing where you, you just pull on it so much that you're shaking, and then you feel your head turning blood-filled and 
whatever shade of red anger it is. And I just keep trying because I'm dumb and I don't think about the fact that I should just get a metal pipe, put it on the wrench and crank it with leverage. Instead, I just want to try to yank it and be manly. But this, that exertion of trying to pull something with all of my might, we've all done that probably in life where you don't know what you're going to do in a particular situation, and sometimes you're so paralyzed, it's like all of your energy just feels stuck in the pit of your stomach. There are other times where all of your energy is, is just shot out of you like a blast, like the times when you come up with this new idea of something you want to do, and maybe some of you are like me, maybe some of you aren't, but I love starting things. Starting things is so much fun. Like, let's start a family, and then you have one. And then you're like, I've got to keep this thing for 18 years. And you look at it when it's 7, 10. You look at it when it's going to be 15. I got to look at some of you that have teenagers, and I'm like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you keep this child from being murdered by you. And then what to me is the hardest, like I watch some of you who have grown children, who have sent them off into marriages, into life. Some of you are sending your kids to go to college. I literally don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't know how I'm in good conscience going to send my child away to spend my money on something that might be weird. Like what if my kids want to get a weird college degree like in 1900s dance theory or the history of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys? They got weird degrees now. What about when, as fathers, you give your daughter away on her wedding day? Now, there's some excitement with that where you just want to, like, yes, go be with them. If Savannah comes to me and she brings a guy home, the first question I'm always going to ask all my kids is, like, do they love Jesus? And then when some guy says, um... Mr. Tarona, I'd like to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. And after he wakes up from being unconscious for a couple hours, I'm going to say, um, do you love Jesus? I'm going to ask him what his favorite Bible verse is. I'm going to ask him what his favorite worship song is. I'm going to ask him the last time he cussed. I'm going to ask him what's his view on politics, what's his view on spirituality, what's his view on other religions. I'm going to ask him what's his view on bikini, what's his view on chastity and virginity within a marriage. I'm going to ask him all these questions. But to be honest, uh, you know, it was really cool to see, like when, when Amy and I got married, to see her parents just excitedly send Amy to be my wife, like excited about it, excited. Charlie was excited, and I understand why now, because I am his favorite child, Um, even with the biological ones. Like, I'm the favorite, I think. Am I your favorite? Nope, I'm not his favorite. I thought I was. That's a swing and a miss, Ryan, swing and a miss. No, Amy's the favorite. I'm the second favorite. Um, But to see is say yes. His soul said, his being said, you can, you can have this part. The Lord had me to raise her up, and now I'm giving her to you to raise her up. And everything that was in him, it was so pure, it was so beautiful, it was so wonderful. It was all the, the person that he was. It wasn't just his emotions of being happy about it. It was, I endorse you with who I am. To love God with all your soul is to, to love God with all of your desires. To love God with all of your being. This can be very busy or very quiet. But if we don't 
get the heart and the soul, the mind is going to be difficult. To love God with all your mind, your intellectual capacity, to love God with critical thinking, to love God with, with not focusing your mind on lesser things, but focusing on heavenly things, eternal things. And when we're praying for the, the loss of this girl who was shot, we're praying for open heart surgery. It's the same reason, the same reason I go to the cemeteries, because when you think about how fast this life can end, anything in it, our, our breath, our heartbeat, our relationships, our jobs, all of these things hang by God's threads. And when you remember that it's your loving Father who holds this universe in the span of his hand, when you remember how brief our life is, it says it's like a vapor or a breath. That's our life is done, born, dead. All of a sudden, you think, you know, Finishing this show just might not be the most important thing. There might be something greater to put my mind towards. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Make your mind new every day for God. My wife's been flirting with me a lot lately, you guys. I mean a lot, a lot. Um, and because she has, um, that's why last night we went to Park Square Social and... Um, and I sang karaoke for her. And I found out already, tragically, that I'm on the Facebook area neighborhood page, which I'm not super pleased about. Whoever did that, I will kill you. Um, it's somebody that doesn't go to the chapel. That's why they did it. They don't know my anger. <laughs> and, uh, but I don't like singing karaoke. I, I just don't. And my wife loves it. She, like, loves when I sing karaoke. On the way there, she's like, will you sing, please, for me? And I'm like, no. And she's like, I know you will. And I get there, and I told my friends, like, I'm not singing today. What nut doesn't matter what you do. And then Frank's like, do you want a beer? I was like, uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm ready to sing. And I go up there, and I sing my country song. Apparently, I'm dancing in a very white boy sort of way, I'm told, um, on the Face Talk area neighborhood page. And... Um, I was thinking about, I was thinking about like how, how much I must love my wife and, and why, why I would even do this for her. Why would I even sing in front of my wife in public? I'll sing in the shower. I'll sing in my bedroom. I'll sing in my office. I'll sing in the car. I don't like doing karaoke, but I always get roped into it. And here's why. Because my wife has been flirting with me. She's been loving God with all of her mind. And here's, here's how you know, this is how you know your relationship's gone super pastory. Because she's a pastor's kid, and I'm a pastor. So when she wants to flirt with me, this is the number one move. Like, this gets me just thinking all the God thoughts. She wakes up in the morning, ah, brushes her teeth, does something, hops in bed, and starts reading the Bible. And then she'll, like, ask me Bible questions. I'm like, girl, oh. I want to memorize a verse with you. And then she'll tell me, I'm, what does this mean? I'm like, well, let me tell you with my education. I'm going to memorize this verse today. Oh, really? The reason why is because to love God with all your mind means to focus your mind on something greater than the temporary things that our world is going to try to collide into yours and my existence. 
We have more things than anyone in history to distract us from thinking about God things. And this is for, from the beginning of time until now, been one of the primary plans and means that evil, Satan, demonic powers, our own sin within us are going to use. It's not going to say this. It's not going to be like, you know what? We're going to get these people from going to Bible study. Instead, they're going to do Ouija board game nights. That's not the tactic. The tactic is this. Let's make them hungry and just love shows. Like they just can't get enough of them, and I am with you. It is so easy to get sucked into a show. It is so easy to get sucked into a series. And then when you think about it, like when we stand 30 years from now, here's something we are probably never going to say to our grandchildren. <sighs> My life was changed the day that I saw Thanos snap his fingers. You know what really impacted me? When I saw the remake of the remake of the remake of The Flash where Barry Allen was played by a guy who looked very much like Barry Allen. Well, Ryan, does that mean we never watch shows? Do we never do anything fun? Depends on what your idea of fun is. And it depends on what you bring into it. I've been putting on display for you my childish obsession with Fortnite for the past month, a uh, few months now. And um, it could just be a game. But we wanted something really cool to start, start happening. I started talking about it from the pulpit after I got over my shame of being an immature little child. And um, not only do I get to talk to people and counsel people on Fortnite, like I literally have adults that will say, can we go play in this mode where it's just the two of us so I can ask you questions about life and you can like pastorize me over the Fortnite? I love that. But, but I also now like some of the kids are like, hey, Pastor Ryan, can I add you on Fortnite? Me and Jackson will play. And, uh, and this week I played with Jaden. It's Corey's son. He just jumps on. And it's Pastor Ryan playing on Fortnite with my pastor. And I'm like, dude, I would have loved to play Fortnite with my pastor when I was a, a brand new believer. To be able to talk like a normal human being and not have them up on a stage. My pastor was a 70-year-old guy from England who licked his lips all the time. So that would have been really awkward if he played Fortnite. But it's given me an opportunity to bring Jesus into an area of my life. We have all these opportunities where we can give our mind to lesser things by saying, like, let my mind and my thoughts terminate on this. Or we can say, Lord, what avenues and doors have you opened where I can bring the mind and the thoughts of Scripture that you've given me to influence and love others with? What, what ways can I change my life? Can I stop doing Fortnite? Can I stop watching Netflix? Can I stop watching Hulu? Can I turn off the news for a week and see what happens if my mind looks at something different? Because the way that we train our brains begins to affect the way that we uh, see life, our outlook on life. Training things. It's, it's so fascinating. Um, I've got four kids. Jackson will not eat a sandwich to this day. I can't get him to eat a sandwich. I don't know why. It's a sin. It's a darkness that's within him. I'm trying to pray it out. Um, Silas will eat pretty much everything. Savannah will eat literally everything, like quantity and quality, okay, as long as it's a carbohydrate. She won't eat a fruit, a vegetable, or anything. She'll eat any pasta, any pizza, anything that's related to carbohydrates, snack food, etc. Bella, my current favorite eater, She's one now. Last night she had mushrooms. Mushrooms. First of all, I looked at my wife and I thought, you're really asking a lot of a one-year-old to eat mushrooms and carrots for dinner. But she loved them. 
She loved eating mushrooms. She loved something that I can't get, couldn't get any of my kids to love. And, be, and for whatever reason, like yesterday was the mushroom day because Jackson got a miso soup and it had mushrooms in it. And here's how I get Jackson to eat a mushroom. Dude, I will buy you V-Bucks. That's fake money on Fortnite that costs real money in real life. I will, I will spend $5 if you eat a single slice of mushroom. And he goes quivering to eat a mushroom for $5. That's the only way I can get my kids to do that kind of stuff. But the interesting thing is when, when you train your children up from a young age, when you train them on, on how to behave, how to think, how to manage their lives, because we don't want to leave them blank slate. I know that that's like this popular parenting philosophy nowadays, like, you know what, I'm just going to let my kids make up their mind about everything that they want to do. No, stop, kids are dumb. Okay? If I see one more news story about somebody letting their child make a massive, life-altering decision when they're three, I'm going to throw up in my mouth again. I, I don't even let my kids choose what to wear. Like, on Sunday morning, maybe one of my kids can dress themselves. Maybe. But we, we tell them, this is what you wear. This is how you act. This is what kindness looks like. This is the type of person I want you to become, and that's why I'm training you in this way, training you in this way. And guess what? An amazing thing happens when you teach kids and you talk to their minds, you speak to their minds, and they hear things. An amazing thing happens like this morning. One of the chapel families came up and said, Silas is a really good kid. My initial thought, because I'm a skeptical parent, is give it time. But when I look at them, or when I see like one of my kids like picking up trash unsolicited, just like, oh, there's trash, I'm going to pick it up. I think, we've done something right. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, that's not the majority of our moments in my home. But when you train your kids, all of a sudden they become like you. And it doesn't always work, out, work that way. One of the verses that's often taken out of context is, train up your child in the way should they should go and they shall not depart from it. Tell that to every Christian parent I've ever talked to, hundreds upon hundreds, who raise up their kids in the faith, and the kids go AWOL when they get out of the home. Sometimes you raise up a child in the way they should go, and they implode their own life. Proverbs are wisdom, they're not law. Proverbs say generally, if you train them up, then they will generally go that way. The same is true of your mind. If you put garbage in your mind, guess what's going to be coming back out of your mind? garbage. And this sounds like the most legalistic message, but don't worry, it's coming full circle. Because love God with all your strength. Strength, the word for that, translated might. It's also translated very. Love God with all your veriness. Love God with all your being, all your external strength, internal strength, your emotions, your mind. What the most important thing is, is not what you dress like. It's not the words that you say or don't say. It's not the type of swimsuits or dresses or suits or shirts. It's not the the things that you simply uh, partake in. It's not whether you drink wine or don't drink wine. The most important thing is to love God with all of these things that make up who you are. And you have a choice on what you're going to put into your mind. You have a choice on what you want to give your emotions to. You, want, you have a choice on what you want to train your soul to be directed toward. You have a choice as to what you exert your power toward. You can choose to have the life, life's version of vegan ice cream, 
or you can choose to have God. Whatever you do, Paul says, and he goes down to the very basics, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. Whether you're eating, singing, jogging, blogging, jumping, joking, skating, running, whatever you're doing, do everything for God and then love your neighbor as yourself. If you get this part of Christianity right, everything else falls into line. If you wake up each morning and say, okay, I'm taking my mind, all that I think about, I'm going to see how much God stuff I can pack into my brain. I'm taking my emotions, whether they're wild and full of anxiety because of upcoming things or fears. You say, I'm going I'm to retune my heart to be thinking and loving God. How do you do that? I don't know. It's different for all of us. How did you do it with the person that you first fell in love with? Because we're all going to have love differently. You know the five love languages, right? Some, some of you are going to tune your heart toward God by spending time with him. Some of you are going to tune your heart toward God by thinking about all the gifts that he's given you. Thinking up every morning, God, you've given me my health. You've given me such amazing things around me. My, my family is all here and we're all upright. Starting with gratitude. That's for me, that's my number one thing. Like for me personally, like I need to be grateful every single morning to start training my heart more and more to remember all the things God's done. When I go into physical therapy every week, it's going into the saddest place you've ever seen. Everyone goes there to be tortured. So I walk in, and I burst through the door, and I say to everyone in the lobby, is everyone pumped up to get tortured today? Almost just like that. And all of a sudden, you see, like, smiles, like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> and then I'll go onto my machine, and I'll start with my treadmill. And this past Friday, uh, the physical therapists, they fight over getting me because I, my goal when I go there is to make everyone as grateful and joy-filled as they can be because I know it's a place of great pain and suffering. So this past week, I got one of the therapists who's avoided me because it's awkward between us. I gave him too long of a hug the first time we met. And, um, and all day, I'm just going. I'm doing like squats. That's why my jeans are looking more form-fitting because I'm doing all these things twice a week, three times a week. And um, and he's like, do this, do this. And he's like, okay, are you ready for your massage? Because he like rubbed my scar and my calf muscle. And I was like, Tommy, dude, is that the best you got today? Are you going to bring more or what? And all of a sudden, like, nobody perks up as much as a physical therapist being told to torment you more. I was like, is that the best you can do, man? Can you, can you come at this more? He's like, you want more? I was like, I want more. And it's almost like, um, <laughs> it's just that sadistic smile. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, really? And then he gave me more. I was standing on like half bouncy yoga ball things, doing this. I'm throwing balls off springs. I'm doing squats. By the time I walked out of there, I didn't have legs. I just had two pudding cups attached to my hips. And when I finally got to the point where I literally didn't think I could walk anymore, he goes, are you done yet? And I was like, I'll take my massage now. <laughs> and I went over there and I laid on the table after my legs had turned to jello and I had done the exercises of a fourth grader because my calf looks like a third grader's. And he's massaging my calf. Tommy, we, they all have different personalities. I tell Tommy he's got the most sensual hands. He's a dad of two, loves Marvel movies. And he just shakes his head. And I said, Tommy, for all the torture that you just put me through, I want to point out that our position here has changed. You've been bossing me around for the last 45 minutes, 
and now you have to rub my leg for the next 30. All that sweat you just put into my shoe is now in your face on my bare foot. Tommy is a, he's a character. And, and the reason why I've always, I'm always going after Tommy is he's one of those guys where at first I couldn't figure him out. Just very stern-paced, mm, serious. So I, I see people like that, and in my pastor man, mind, I think, project, yes. And now he laughs, and he shakes his head. He, five, he high-fives me, he hugs me. Now, I don't do all that just to, just to make Tommy temporarily happy. I don't bring joy to my physical therapy place just so that people will have a little sliver of joy. I try to love God with everything in that moment, and it's hard. It's hard to do in some places. But I realized something really awkward. I, I treated physical therapy like the place where I was going to give it my all to be the person God made me to be so that everyone around me would ask questions about Jesus. And they do. There's people there that listen to my podcast. They're planning a visit. I don't know if it'll ever come to fruition, but they're like, we have got to come to your church. Are you like this all the time? And I'm like, all the time. I brought my kids. I showed them my kids. We all, like, know each other on Facebook and Instagram now. And I realized something, though. At physical therapy, I was giving God my all so that people could come to know him and make him their all. Why don't I do that at home? Why don't I do that at Publix? Why don't I do that on bad days, not just good days? What is it about going to Cora Physical Therapy that turns on a fire in me? And I begin to ask myself that question, and I've been asking it for a handful of weeks now, because I want to figure out more and more how I can turn all of that on all the time. What it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is to be pursuing it, to be thinking about it, to be processing it, and then to be living it out, to get your head, your heart, and your hands in sync all for God. It doesn't mean that you stop doing things. It means you bring God into all the things that you do whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. What does this mean? Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you love yourselves way too much, way too much. Have you seen that meme on the internet? It talks about how women see themselves and how men see themselves. It's a joke, I'm not being a generalization, but it shows a man in front of a mirror, and in the, the reality picture, the man is a little bit dad bod-like, right? But when a man looks in the mirror, he sees the best version of himself. Doesn't matter what kind of shape he's in, the man sees himself as like, yeah, I kind of see my ab just defined here. And like your pecs are there, and you like arm, and then in this meme, a woman looks at herself, and doesn't matter what she looks like, she's the worst version of herself. Oh, there's this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem. I think that it could go both ways. I'm just saying in this meme, that's the way that it went. Love your neighbors yourself. If you love yourself a lot, this is like an easy transition for me to tell you. The same way that you think about yourself, are consumed with yourself, provide for yourself, protect yourself, do that for others. The people I really want to zoom in on today are those of you who are here and you're like, I don't like myself. How do I love my neighbor as myself if I don't like myself? If I'm stuck in my past, if I'm stuck in, in all the things that I've done wrong or all the areas I fall short, how can I, you want me to love someone like that? Fine, I'll go love someone like I love me and you walk over to your neighbor and just beat them. That's what I would do to me if I could. Both of those sides are missing something. 
The person who loves themselves too much, like the, the me's of this world. If you're born in 1981, you were born in the prime time of the self-esteem movement. Like I, I was raised to think there's nothing I can't do, and I still struggle with that disease today. Like the self-esteem movement, for all the good that it did, put in this brain, your pastor's brain, an ocean of pride. The point is to not love yourself so much so that you can go love other people, just like as much as you love you. The point is to not beat yourself up and just never love anybody. Some of you are like, well, good, I don't like people, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hate myself, and then I could hate them and still be biblical. Not the point. God knows that the deep in all of us is a, a love for ourselves. Even the person that thinks that they hate themselves, even the person that's wallowing in how much they dislike about their, who they are, what they look like, what they think like, what they did, what they're doing, even that person is obsessed with themselves because it's all about me. If you want to love your neighbor as yourself, if you want to figure out what God's talking about, he's giving us a glimpse. Jesus is giving us a glimpse into what he did for you and I. Jesus wasn't thinking about himself. He took all of the thoughts that would be about how to preserve him, how to make him secure, and he said, I'm going to put those for you. I want to make you adopted. I want to make you know how loved you are. I want to make you know how forgiven you are. It doesn't mean that those things about Jesus went away because he is eternally God in the flesh. What it does mean is this. If you want to love your neighbor as yourself, start with one neighbor and say, if I were them, what would I do today? Let me go do that for them today. If I'm going to love my neighbor as myself and I'm full of pride, I say, you know what? Pride means I'm elevating me above others. So, so either I'm going to stay above them and just say, come be like me, or I'm going to say, come up and let's be like Jesus together. Or it's saying, I think about me too much. All of my life is all about me, all about I, and I want to bring someone else into this space. Loving your neighbor as yourself means putting yourself to the side of someone else. Loving your neighbor as yourself is what happens when you get married. When someone stands next to you and you say, we're a team, we're no longer a solo, we're a duo. If you hate yourself, if you're mad at yourself, loving your neighbor as yourself has to start with you seeing how loved you are by Jesus. People who struggle with loving themselves, the irony of it is, it's just a, a twisted type of love. The sad part is, is that people who hate themselves, and I've been there from time to time, you've, you've lost sight of the person that you are, your being. You've lost sight of the fact that when Jesus saw you at your worst moment, whatever the worst, darkest, swampiest, most disgusting moment of your life is, Jesus saw you in that moment and said, I love you. And said, I'm going to die for you right there. Not like on your Bible study days, your prayer days, not on the days where you're going to physical therapy and you're being a light in other people's lives and you're sharing the gospel of Jesus. Ryan, I love you right there. When you can see that, all of a sudden loving your neighbor as yourself when you're full of self-hatred becomes very different. When your love for yourself is not rooted in just this internal thought process but in God's love for you, when your love for yourself becomes more than just a happy feeling about how good life is or a bad feeling about how bad life is, when your love for yourself becomes rooted in, this is what God did for me, 
I'm this lovable. I'm this much cherished by God. That's the ultimate state to be in. And when you get that upon you, that's what Jesus wants you to give to others. So what do you do? The response of these people was, you're right, Jesus. All the religious things, whole, they called it whole burnt offerings. Substitute that in our culture for religious things. All the religious things we do don't compare to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbors yourself. You are right. Make it very practical. That verse where it comes from, it's called the Shema in, in, uh, in the Old Testament. You might have seen Jewish people with the boxes on their head or their hands or there's a little spring sometimes with a scroll and the doorposts. Because right after that verse in the book of Deuteronomy, it said, says this, these words I commanded you today, these words to love God with your everything and love your neighbors yourself, it says you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Get as much God-centered, God-focused, God-reorienting things in your vision as you can. God knows that we're creatures of vision. Take a whiteboard marker and write it on your bathroom mirror. All for God. Put a sticky note on your visor. Put something on your speedometer where you can still see your speedometer. Put something on your office desk to remind you this is all for God all the time. Put a verse up. You guys, just go on Pinterest and type in scripture. And if some of you don't know what Pinterest is, men, it's this website. It's amazing. Just get a glass of red wine. Go on at about 8.30 at night. You'll be on with all of the other women that go on Pinterest at that time drinking red wine. And just type in scripture stuff. And there's like people make these things. It's like the Bible can vomit onto your house with art. If you want to love God, make it extremely practical. Put it all around. Talk about it wherever you go. In my house, devotions are hard to come by. But we talk about the Bible and scripture all the time. Wherever I'm going, waking up, Bible, 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 Bible. What do you got? And I'm not being nerdy about it. I'm just trying to tell them. This is what God wants us to do and be. If you want to figure this out, if you want to love God with everything, put God everywhere you look and let the change come. Let's pray. Father, I've kind of jazzed along today, Lord, but I, I'm so grateful for your, your patience with me. Lord, help us. Help us, God, to love you. Help us to have the, the type of love that we see in those couples who have been together forever on top of forever. Help us to have the same excitement that the couples have that are touching hands for the first time. Lord, help us to have a mind that is driven to look to you, to think about you, to meditate on your word. Help us to have a soul that is driven to do things for you because you've done so much for us. Help us, God, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And for those in here who don't love themselves, God, help, help us to see ourselves as you see us so that shame and guilt hold no grip or sway so that our past can finally be nailed to the cross and we can be free. Help us to get rid of all of the religious things that get in the way of loving you with all of our being and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to keep this Christianity thing simple and pure and good. Help us. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen.